Hey everybody and welcome to the next Monday Masterclass. We are today going to be talking all about designing from joy with Lawrence McCarhill from the Happy Startup School. Um, so if you are joining us for the first time, welcome in. Uh, my name is Simon Batchelor a marketing mentor and co-founder of Better, Bolder, Braver. It's a community for coaches who are working on their marketing and want training and support all along that exciting journey. Um, I'm also joined today by the other co-founder of Better, Bolder, Braver, Francis. Do you want to say hello, Francis? Yes, I do. Thank you. My name is Francis Khalasji and I am the other co-founder of Better, Bolder, Braver, which is um, one community amongst many amazing ones, and uh, we're thrilled to have uh, one of our uh, favourite people here, one of our mentors, someone that we followed, who's the co-founder of the Happy Startup School, Simon has said. Um, Simon and I, we think met, thanks to Happy Startup School, but we were also kind of stalking each other. Um, so we're not quite sure um, how it all came about that we started Better Bolder Braver, but we are very happy in uh, to credit largely Lawrence and also <laughs> Carlos with everything that has happened to us in the last year and a half. Um, and we're thrilled, as I say, and sort of slightly, I, I'm feeling a little anxious to have Lawrence here because so much of what Lawrence is all about has influenced our work and I'm extremely keen to um, kind of air as much of the value that I feel Lawrence brings as is possible in an hour. <clears throat> so um, I'm going to ask you Lawrence to tell us who you are and mm. why you're here and how it's joyful for you. <laughs> what an intro, I don't think I can follow that. Um, and just to say, isn't it Tuesday or am I going mad? Uh, is it a Monday masterclass? Yeah, so uh, it's, it's our marketing masterclass and we often call it our Monday masterclass by mistake. Don't worry, ah. Simon. Sometimes Did it I happens. call it Monday today? Don't worry about it. I mean, I, oh, wow. It, it used to be like our it, Monday masterclass and now it's our yes. marketing masterclass because it's Tuesday and well done yeah. for picking up on that. Yeah, yeah you're on the ball. Don't ask oh. me what month it is or anything else, but yeah. No, I know it's exactly. Well, happy Monday to you, Lawrence. <laughs> Thank you, Simon Francis. Um, yeah, I'm honoured to be here. Um, yeah, I will take all the credit for this, you guys meeting each other, as long as it goes well. When it goes badly, it's nothing to do with us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm Lawrence. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of the Happy Startup School. Um, there's lots of familiar faces in the chat, so lots of happy startup people here, and I'm sure a few who aren't too. Um, so yeah, me and Carlos set up the Happy Startup School almost a decade ago. Uh, I think it was late 2012, so yeah, almost our 10-year anniversary. Um, but before that, uh, I was, uh, well, I did various things, but I was kind of a failed economist uh, turned uh, web designer and then um myself and carlos set up a web design studio back in 2004 uh, which we closed in 2015 and that really was i guess our uh, apprenticeship in business but also our evolution in terms of what we do today really understanding what it takes to bring ideas into the world and not just any old ideas but ideas that hopefully make the world a better place um, not just for those you're creating them for but also for yourself so that's kind of my interest in this topic really is a i love 
conversations like this and love what you guys are doing with the uh, Boulder Braver community. I've always got that wrong in the past. I think I got it right then. BBB. Hey, yeah, there we go. Um, and yeah, like you, we just love giving people tools and confidence and spaces like this connection to, to do the things they want to do. So yeah, happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, you've just made me have a thought, actually, which is if you say better, bolder, braver many, many times, it does go in and it's like meditation. You've got to, uh, you know, get it wrong a few times and then a bit like Monday like, Masterclass like as well. Yeah. <laughs> if you say Monday Masterclass enough times uh, and then realise you've done it, then you eventually, it becomes so much clearer when you, um, when, you, when you keep going with it. And then you really think, why is it better, bolder, braver? And so that's the whole point of naming it as such. Um, so I think what I'd really like to do is just sort of encourage you, Lawrence, to reshare um, mm. your amazing post of yesterday, which was not invited by us. We did not ask you to do homework and come as well prepared as you have. Can you talk to us about, just for listeners who might not have seen it, <clears throat> what it was that you know, prompted you to, to write that list and maybe talk us through it? Yeah. Um, well, I think one thing is, you know, the topic of this conversation, I think you came up with and that got me thinking about this topic, really, in terms of what does it mean to design uh, from joy? And actually, I misread it at first and I saw design for joy, which I think is probably the designer in me in that I think a lot of designers um, are always thinking about the people they're creating something for, because that's the way we've been trained and taught and that's the work we do is we get a brief we think about the project what it is we're trying to do for a certain person or group of people and then you know if we're worth anything we'll hopefully try and make that experience um, a really useful one or even a joyful one so there's different layers of experience that we can create when we're creating for other people um, I think uh, my, my experience of being a designer is I think a lot of designers go on this journey of you know, loving creating things, loving designing things for other people. And over time, sometimes that sort of mojo, that joy, that zest for the work we do can sometimes diminish because often we get caught in projects and sometimes in companies or even agencies where maybe we're just not feeling the, um, the joy in the client that we're working for or the team we're part of or maybe the product, we don't believe in it. And so slowly I found, certainly for me, when I was doing client work over a decade or so, that joy certainly seemed to diminish a little bit in terms of a why am I doing this? Is there a real kind of clear reason to this for for the for the people we're creating for? Is it actually going to help them, or is it just going to help the company that they're selling uh, you know this thing to? Um, but also, how does it help me? Like, do I really believe in this? Is this something that I want to spend my time doing? And so, so I think that subtle switch from designing to to designing from is important because I found that when you create things from a place of your own joy, your own excitement, your own interest, then I just think that comes across in the way you communicate about in it and the way you actually create things. And it feels easier to then do all the things you guys talk about, market yourself, <clears throat> you know, find your voice, sell. I think I found, you know, all of those things become easier and actually can be joyful in themselves if you really believe in the thing you're trying to create. And also understanding where that's coming from and for me that's really about uh, understanding your needs really and we talk about this on the, the program that we run and you've been part of it uh, and that's really where that post came from yesterday was this idea of what does designing from joy mean for me 
And for me, it's really a source of creativity is one. So that was the first thing that came to mind when I thought about this topic was how does any idea, any project I work on satisfy my need for creativity? Because if I don't feel like it is satisfying that, then I won't have the energy to, to do it well. And I've found in the past that that's something you can summon when you have to, but over time, it's almost like a diminishing pool of energy. And, you know, having done sort of design work for 20 odd years, I found, you know, I know when my energy's up and when my energy's down, and I've found that I've just got less and less, um, less and less interest in doing things that don't excite me anymore. Um, it's as simple as that. And so if I've got limited time left and limited sort of energy left, then why not use that on things that get me excited? And again, I feel creative in that space. So that's one thing. Um, I think another thing was connection. So seeing um, design as a source of connection to other people. So even if I was to create something on my own, seeing it as a way to connect with other people, even if I don't actually meet them. And that's something that I was missing in the past was maybe that feeling of connection to the end user of an app we were designing or a website we were creating. We didn't really get that feeling of connection. We got connection to the client and that was you know, great. They were happy, but I certainly felt like a bit of hollowness sometimes with those projects was even though we tried to get in front of people and have that real clear connection to the people we're designing for, often there was just a just a big bridge you know, between them that we never got across. And that was just a source of frustration over time because you get paid for the work, the client was happy, but you didn't really feel like the work you were doing was having much impact because yeah, you couldn't see it. Even if it was true, you didn't really see that impact. So that's something that I've tried to bring more to the forefront of our work these days is to really feel that impact and see it and uh, and see it on a more intimate level than just numbers on the spreadsheet or you know stats on a web uh, analytics page you know feeling that from people's faces or words or stories which is way more important for me um so those are the two main ones and there's some other stuff there we could probably dig into if you want to yeah. but yeah that's the two that came to mind when i thought of this topic I think it's really interesting that kind of disconnection because a lot of what we talk about with marketing is based around kind of like marketing should be fun to do because if it's not fun then ultimately it's probably not going to work um, I mean if you're like a marketing agency or you're a big brand or whatever then it's fine it doesn't have to be fun it just has to work and as you say it, you know you, you can be disconnected from it in certain circumstances and it still work but when it's your own business your own thing your own service and like mm. when you're going to end up being in a connect and in a relationship through connection with the person you're working with especially with a coach for example then really the process of putting yourself out there and making that connection should be enjoyable or at least rewarding in that in that initial instance so i think mm doing marketing from a place of joy there mm. really resonates with me because that is what we're all about. You know, we're not just about, oh, go and write 50 Facebook posts that no one's ever going to read and then count <laughs> the likes on a screen and woohoo. You know, it's like nobody cares about crap marketing. And no. the reason is because the person who made it felt crap making it and is just doing it because they've been told to make it. And it's like Instagram has enough posts. It's not going to, there's not a drought of content. So it's like if you're going to make some content, you might as well have fun making it and mean that the person reading it feels a bit of joy and connection and relationship with you. Mm. So I've sort of had quite a bit of a shared experience, I think, in terms of agency 
you know, running a de development team, developing apps, you know, running mm. that kind of stuff. We've been on sort of similar journeys there. So I can definitely um, sort of feel the the disconnection there between that end client and some of the frustrations that come with like, we think this is really good. And the client's like, yeah, we're not sure our clients are going to like it. It's like mm. that tension. So yeah, I can, I can definitely feel that from the design point of view. Um, Francis, what was what 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 were your thoughts on the on the launch shed? Um, well, I'm listening to what you're saying, and you know, my experience uh, is um, well B two B as much as it is B two C, more B two B, I would say, some to some degree. Um, and I've been in house. Uh, I'm th there's there's also the disconnect, I suppose in B2B as opposed to, so business to business as opposed to business to customer marketing. And I'm thinking about disconnect in what we're talking about because, and I have to say something that I've just noticed that our eyes are all the same color as the jumpers or tops that we're wearing. Um, wow. And yeah, so Super. that's really cute, isn't it? And there's something of like, there's something of like a childish sweet, like illustration of a book going on here. Cause yeah, I don't know what that's all about, but. The way that I, you know, sometimes we notice things. Um, and what I'm trying to get to here is um, observation and sort of awareness, self-awareness. Because what I wanted to ask you earlier, Lawrence, is sorry about the clanging, cla like noise in the background. Um, like, how do you know when there's joy going on for you? How how self-aware do you think you've become of? joy existing because it's it's a bit like the needs thing and i you know sometimes do struggle with all you need to do is work out what you need and it's like yeah mm. you know <laughs> that that's the thing it's like i find that really difficult so equally yeah. you know designing from joy designing for joy it's like well how do you know what is the joy like how long has it taken you to see joy are you clear that it's joy when it happens are you clear to call it out if the joy is not there um, so I'm really interested in, in the self-awareness bit of joy mm. for you. How, how quickly do you see it? I think it probably is something that, I don't know, you can almost link it to intu intuition, I suppose, um, in terms of something that has got I've got better at with age, certainly more comfortable with. And I, I, I guess it's probably more of a feeling, really, um, feeling in my body rather than necessarily anything I could put a logical response to um so it could be in a feeling of excitement like for example if it was um even this morning like getting a message from someone i know really well who's thinking of coming to one of our retreats you know that feeling of oh like the thought of spending time with him for a week again was just really exciting and so i could feel that i was like yeah that's that that's brilliant and so it's that kind of really visceral thing i think of it could be, you know, typically it could be a collaboration or a person or a, a group that makes me excited. The thought of bringing people together, for example. So if it was a, an event, so we, we had another idea to do an event, I could start to see how that could work. So it could be like, a, I don't know, say it was a trip to the Alps or I don't know, some new place that we would not been to. So like Costa Rica or somewhere where we wanted to go. And it's like the thought of planning that, the thought of who could come, the thought of what experiences we would have, you know, it starts to get me excited. It's like a feeling of adventure. Um, so that's more of a, if it was a trip or a, an event, but equally it could be something like, I don't know, like we've been talking about creating some guides, like you guys have, you know, some, some tools that isn't necessarily going on an adventure on the mountain, but 
the thought of sitting on my own and like crafting it and that whole um design process is is exciting as well so spending time on my own is also something i love doing but also with a view to and this will go and help another person in some way so it's not necessarily just a solo gig it's something that yeah i know i'm creating something exciting here that could potentially give someone else some use or some joy in the future I don't worry carlos so, not planning us to fly around the world somewhere just yet <laughs> so there's like three there's like three levels of joy right the first level is your joy second is the, the joy of the process when you talk about designing something it's like the joy that you get from building mm. and then the third is the joy that can be received and being aware of the potential joy and talking to that joy and how it makes you feel so maybe there's a fourth level which is like to what degree do you feel joy in an ability to gift to somebody um the idea of a joyful outcome so I'm mm -hmm. thinking about Simon and my um, journey of consciousness, which takes people from completely unaware to like super excited, basically, is kind of the simplest way of <laughs> describing it. Um, and, uh, you know, you go from like, it's like <clears throat> an energy that you have within you that you have managed to become so aware of and be able to process and call mm. out and, and name and use so quickly that you can then channel it into your production and then you are able to gift it to someone else but also you can communicate how um, you're going to be gifting it which in itself is a gift and like you've been on a journey you talk about the second mountain is it something that you feel people can learn I mean we're 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 in the you know our our course the coach's marketing journey is designed from a place of joy um, and we had to do some degree of selling before we knew it was worth building. And we knew that we mm -hmm. didn't have to build it because um, before we shipped it, thanks to you. Uh, so the process of designing it has been really joyful. Um, but it's about trying to get people from unaware to like super aware, very excited about the gifts that they can give. And therefore to pivot from a place of shame and sort of apologetic, uh, like sort of... Uh, quiet marketing or a feeling of not not being confident about how they want to do marketing mm -hmm. to, to can't wait to do the marketing because I understand it's a gift for someone else but do you think you can learn these things or do you think you have to just have gone on some sort of journey and unconsciously it needs to evolve and then there and then suddenly there's this second mountain in front of you there's a lot there I mean I think you can definitely learn you know there is there is a process of for example, if you're creating an experience for someone, you can learn how to do that. I mean, you know, you can learn how to do experience design. So there are sort of tools and frameworks and things that allow you to create for joy, let's say, or certainly to create experiences and products that aren't just functional. You know, you're going beyond the functional to surprise and delight people. So you can actually, for example, you know, if you went to a hotel room and there was just a bed and, and, nothing else it would be pretty functional you'd sleep but there wouldn't be much else whereas if there was flowers there if there was like some music playing if there was some chocolates and wine whatever you know these are things that start to make the experience much more rich and joyful for people to experience and there might be things that you little touches that you didn't expect so there could be a handwritten card and um and so those things might be the things that then create ripple effects beyond the experience because you'll tell someone about that and that will create joy beyond your experience it will actually go beyond just that designer to user to 
use it to friends to family to so and so so there's loads of great examples of experiences we have and it's often those small tiny things that we remember that didn't actually cost very much but were just a sort of human touch that added something to it and, and so that part of the, the process i think you can learn i think the more inside out approach to it in terms of like what am i like you said what are my needs what am i getting from this uh, project business whatever we're trying to do um what do i want to say how do i want to say it what's my voice who am i you know all these things are just our deepest uh, beliefs and values and and uh ideals aren't they and so that that's i think the journey for people is not necessarily like can i create things that are great and useful for others it's like what should i create and and how should i create it and that's it's like the work we do with people is you know it's not a matter of not knowing what to do it's just not knowing not knowing which what the right thing to do is and, and almost wanting someone to tell you do this because even though we don't have a boss anymore it doesn't mean we don't need or want someone to tell us what to do so this is kind of uh tension it feels like between you know we have creators or entrepreneurs who want to do what they want to do but then struggle with so much freedom that they actually don't know what the right thing to do is I've just remembered that it was actually me who called this designing from joy and I feel like I'm grilling you about joy as if it's something that you like have decided is what we need to talk about today. Chief but... joy officer. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, there is something of a sort of an urgency <clears throat> or like a, a lesson or a, an instruction or um, it's a headline that I feel in what you write and in what you the way that you make decisions the impression that I get from you is that you're making decisions. It reminds me of our friend Charlie's clarity work and this idea of, like, have you committed to the joy? And I feel with you that you're quite clear on, like, is this going to bring me joy? And and you're very good at making decisions about, like, no, this is not joyous. I don't find this joyous and, and this is the journey that you've been on. But it's also what you're trying to impart on others and it's because it's the oxygen mask. It's like, if this is not joyous, if this is not coming from joy... It's going to screw you up in the end, kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. is that? And having right? having that, having that, I guess, inner belief really or confidence to to actually make that decision or just make a decision. I think you know sometimes we're never going to get every decision right, but at least just making a decision is, is courage in itself, isn't it? Even if you're wrong, you, you know, you're less scared of making mistakes. So for me, even just that is something you learn. It's like as an entrepreneur or coach or any creative, you're going to have to make lots of decisions every day. So the more comfortable you get with just, you know, making those, the, the more comfortable you'll get about the bigger things. And so, and, and also I think the more confident you'll get in why you're making the decisions, not just for others, but for yourself. Um, and I often think people in absence of making a decision or, or having, you know, worrying about choice, they end up just doing what other people want them to do and so they end up saying yes to someone else's vision or idea because they don't really know what theirs is and that often could be a source of stress and anxiety for people I think because you end up on a path of following other people's um, you know, wishes for you which isn't always good for you. And in terms of it not just being about other people's wishes for you do you kind of check in with what might have been previous Lawrence's wishes for you and what are actually present Lawrence's wishes for you? Like, how good are you at actually asking... Is this a bit where I talk day? about myself in third person? Yeah, past, previous, future. <laughs> um, 
and you know but it's like well are these things still joyous for you like how good are you at practicing mm. what you preach frankly you know you're, you're excellent at telling us how to ask ourselves the right questions and how to yeah. design a manifesto and a you know to ask ourselves what is our zone of genius are you in are you in are you good at doing that yourself <laughs> what do you want me to say no i'm terrible um, i don't want you to say i, I think... want you to be honest <laughs> um I think we're all guilty of, you know, the things that we help others with are often things we struggle with ourselves. Um, so, yeah, if I were to look at some of, I don't know, our marketing or our website or it probably goes against a lot of the things that we teach other people. Um, but that said, I think in terms of me personally, in terms of like what um, what's in, what's out, what excites me, what doesn't, what I want to work on, what I don't, I think, I don't actually think, I mean, I have got better at it, but, you know, I made some big calls in my early career that seemed a bit counterintuitive and a bit crazy, but um, I just knew then that I, you know, if something's not right, I could feel it. And I just knew in my body that it wasn't right. And I knew that there was no option other than getting out because that was going to make me ill or depressed or, you know, on a path of misery over the long period of time. So I think I've always had a quite good feeling of if something's not right, I'll change it. And I'm not afraid to change it. Um, and I'd rather be sort of wrong than, yeah, not decide, if that makes sense. Um, I'm sorry, Simon, I'm doing the thing I do where I like, <laughs> I let you talk. But I just want to say one more thing uh, before I forget, which is that, you know, I think what I, I posted recently in Happy Startup School in welcoming a new member that for me, entrepreneurialism is A, something I had never considered and just entirely happened accidentally. Mm. Um, and B has not only become the way in which I approach my work but also I think my life um, more widely Um, and you know I'm thinking about to what degree do you sort of design from joy and for joy in your wider life Um, and sort of how you help us all to kind of think about how it must be a comprehensive effort Mm. if it's to mean anything and you know we talked to our coach uh, members of our community about sustainability and sort of we talk about something called what we call the work-work balance and the work-life balance um, and what we're trying to get people to surface is sort of what what's the sort of combination of everything that they have to do um, and why does it work and how can they talk about it proudly and how does it become the message about who they really like what how is the combination the mirror of who somebody really is? And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested just to invite you to talk a bit about how the combination of the various bits of your life have come to kind of mean joy for you. Is it just an approach to work or do, are you now finding yourself practicing it all over the place? I'm, miser- I'm miserable at home, but <laughs> I'm really nice at work. Um, well, I think that's the work, the work we do, which I think is in some ways not normal is a little bit unique in terms of the happy startup school is this this alignment really between our personal lives and our business or work lives and not to see you know we're not a business school or accelerator and we're not a sort of well-being community who run retreats you know we are this overlap between the two you know this sort of merry dance between work and and the rest of our lives so for me in some ways, I've learned so much by doing the work we do, number one, from either the people we've met or the experiences we've had in terms of what things make me feel good and which things help me be most creative, useful, productive. And and that's through years of experience and being around others who've inspired us to 
challenge some of our thinking. Um, and so, yeah, how I live each day is almost how I want to live my life, you know. So I try and model that in terms of I, I almost put my well-being and my um, space time, let's call it me time, whatever you want to call it, as the most important thing in every day rather than like something that fits in around my life. You know, I'll always take for an hour for a walk with a dog or try and have lots of time between calls. I'll try not to have many calls. You know, I hate the idea of a full schedule every day with loads of calls. That's like my worst nightmare. So I know what makes me tick in terms of what gets the best out of me. And and that's from experience of going too far the other way, whether that's just having packed schedules or too much of one type of activity, which just drains me. Um, and again, that's all, I think, part of this process really is understanding like when am I in flow most often and how can I achieve that most often? And working harder doesn't do it for me. And so, you know, if I don't put those more personal things in my sort of diary or even in my head for the day, then I'll fill it with more work stuff. And it won't necessarily be work stuff that actually has any value. It will just be work stuff for work stuff's sake, which, um, yeah, we're all great at filling time if we have it and nothing else to do. So, yeah, my goal is not to work more, but actually just to be more effective with the time I do work. Speaking of effective with the time, not least in terms of the time we have today, but also you have, <coughs> you and Simon, uh, I, I, I credit Simon largely with the design of the course that we offer our community members. And I think you both share, so I'm going to shut up so that you can discuss it, this idea of um, shipping before you've finished. Uh, shipping before you're ready, uh, which, you know, is something that I know... Shipping before you, you started. Shipping before you start, right. So this is where I'm going to shut up because I think it's something that you, you know, you talk about, Lawrence, quite a bit. Can you, with Simon, maybe share with our listeners the idea of why it's important to be able to do that, both from a marketing and a design point of view, but also from an emotional point of view in terms of like why the process of not having something ready allows for there to be joy as you go along. Mm. Um, well, I think there's something about getting out of your comfort zone, isn't there? I think as humans, I think we like to have all our ducks in a row. You know, we like to feel like we're not going to get judged or criticized. And so in some ways it makes perfect sense to always have everything done to the best of our abilities that when, when it's, when it's ready, we can then go, look, here's the thing I've made. Isn't it great? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it useful? Please use it, buy it, engage with it. Um, don't give me feedback because I've made it and I spent a year making it. So please go gentle with me on, in terms of like criticizing it. Just nice things, please tell me nice things about it. Um, and then if it doesn't work and no one buys it, then I'll be upset, but I won't know why because yeah, no one's going to tell me because it looks, I think it looks beautiful and they're not going to criticize this beautiful thing that I've told them I've spent a year on. Um, so I think that's one thing I've learned working with a lot of startups in, and entrepreneurs and obviously doing our own work around this area is in some ways, the more scrappy, the more unfinished something is, it's can be terrifying to put it out to the world, but also from a customer point of view, it's something that they can engage with feedback on in a more honest way and actually hopefully in a more collaborative way, come to a better solution for everyone. So that's great in theory, the idea of, yeah, put it out there, get feedback, iterate, improve. Um, lots of people know that. Very few people actually do it. Um, so one way I've found around that is is to not necessarily just go out and release a really half-assed product that no one wants to buy, 
and then if you if it doesn't work you're not quite sure why is really to think about it more than anything is selling a vision uh, for what you're trying to do so have a really sort of beautiful or well-worded or nicely kind of designed uh view of that vision so whether it's a manifesto like we talk about on, on the vision 2020 program or even just a really heartfelt medium or linkedin post or instagram post whatever whatever way you want to do to share that vision put it out there and and maybe you get people who pre-order your book or course or whatever it is you're trying to do um but what you've done is you've you've kind of tried to sell a vision of the future that you can both buy into and that i think is a leap of faith that a lot of people really struggle with because they feel like an imposter to some degree and um and i know it can be scary the thought of almost either pre-selling or trying to convince yourself that this future state exists um mm. but i found the process of doing it for other people actually almost helps you to get clearer on it yourself and therefore you're almost like manifesting it by by kind of going through that whole process of of, of talking about it I don't know what you think, Simon, but that's my view on it anyway. Yeah, I think a lot of that rings true. I think there's an over-concentration, especially in entrepreneur world, of this kind of like you have to know exactly what it is and you have to have a sort of fully formed idea to take to a pitch to get people to give you money to build it. And a lot of businesses that I speak to, especially on an agency side, they're like, oh, I'm going to build this thing and I've got this investment in it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm always like, yeah, but how many people are ready to buy it? And they're like, oh, no, I haven't I haven't tried to get anybody to buy it yet. I've got like 100 grand coming in. We're going to build this thing and then we're going to sell it. Mm. I'm always thinking like, that's just madness. Essentially, one of the sort of bits of advice I got a couple of years ago doing some work with Daniel Priestley is he's got this phrase called ABS. And he just says it when people are talking. He's like, ABS. And what it means is you're doing anything but selling. And it's what entrepreneurs are amazing at. They'll do anything but selling. I'm building mm -hmm. a course. I'm writing a to-do list. I'm doing my emails. I'm on the phone. I'm having a meeting. I'm going for And he's like, yeah, but have you sold it? No. Then you're doing ABS. You're doing anything but selling. And it's like, you've just got to stop doing it. And I found for a long time, I was... I was using that as my kind of motivator to get mm. stuff done because I'm like, okay, what have I got to do today? Am I doing anything but selling? What, what What's going to help me get to the end? Now, if you build an entire course or you build an entire program, as you very rightly said, um, uh, Lawrence, is that thing of like, okay, I've built this 20-week program. It's amazing. I've spent the last three months on it. Please give me feedback, but be nice about it because I've just spent, like, no mm. one's going to go, do you know what? This doesn't make sense. This drops off in the middle. I can't do this. Mm. What is this all about? It just feels empty and it, mm. you, you, you won't get honest feedback. Whereas if you call someone up and say, hey, Lawrence, in three weeks time, I'm starting this program. It's like 20 sessions. It's going to be live with me. It's going to be a bit scrappy because I'm just going to be running them live, see what happens. I really think you'd get a lot out of it. Do you want to give it a go? Mm. If you say, yeah, sure, I'll give you a bit of money for that. I'm willing to be one of the first to try it out. Then you just do it live, have some fun doing it with a small closed group, and you can read the room. Like me and Francis are currently delivering a program um, with the Association for Coaching. It's We set an exercise and you watch a room full of people on Zoom all go, scribbling down notes and you can <laughs> tell when they're engaged because people are like oh and then it's scribbling down notes mm. if you if you just make a video you don't get to see that and then other mm. points i think yeah people are gonna love this bit and then they're all just staring at yeah. the camera wait what's next you're like oh okay that didn't land scratch that 
and then you get the Q&A at the end so people can be like you know that when you said this bit I didn't understand that can you go over it again so if you do it live then you go back and create the thing based on yeah. that because you know a lot, a lot of people say well I can't do it live because I can't scale it it's like well deal with the scaling problem once you've sold it mm. once the number of people I get they're like okay but I need to automate all this stuff because you know I'm going to get all these customers I'm like you solve that problem when you've got one customer and then when you've got 10 customers don't so, don't solve the what am I going to do with a thousand customers problem before no, you've got any it's a nice customers. problem to have well exactly it's like get some of these problems and that is that ABS thing of just mm. you know oh I can't do this because insert automation issue here so some of those details but i don't know what your thoughts on that are, lawrence how do you think that sounds uh well there's a line going back to your point about the scale thing a line that i can't remember some startup uh, mentor said it years and years ago that stuck with me was do things that don't scale at the beginning and it's something i tell people a lot because again people fall into that trap of i'm trying to build a you know scalable products or web app or whatever and mm. Yeah, this won't work if I try and do this for a thousand people. But it's like, yeah, you've, you've only got one customer. So, yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good uh, a good line. But yeah, with the selling thing, I think it's yeah. I mean, it's I'm guilty of this too. You know, it's like you have all these difficult things on your to do list, and then you try and do all the easy things because you feel better. But then you've avoided the big yeah. the big issue, which is yeah, sometimes picking up the phone or having a conversation with someone. Um, there's another line which is bad news gets worse the longer you leave it so like if you've got an idea for something don't try and push off the inevitable because six Mm. months down the line that that news will be worse than it is at the beginning and and we found this and this is probably where my approach and our approach has come from is um you know when we're working uh, for clients in the web um, web agency we would spend six months to 12 months on a project and these are like tens of thousands of pounds projects and you know for the first couple, there's things that we could have done better. And then you start to improve it. And we start to get much more confident in our process and our, our credibility, I guess, in terms of knowing what we're talking about. And then over, over the years, we just found that actually, you know, if we're going to spend this amount of time on something and we don't really know if it's going to work whilst it's bringing in good money to the agency, by the time we start on the next project, we're like, okay, we know where this goes. Like us having discussions about the color of a button that no one ever uses, you know, isn't really yeah. the best use of yeah. my life um and we've had some clients i remember vividly like who could have literally killed the business idea in a meeting you know there's one platform we built <clears> for a gifting platform for charities um and yeah the guy we built the product i mean it was like a year's worth of work and the guy went into the meeting and within minutes he'd found out that the whole business model was completely flawed and all that work we'd done was completely wasted we still got paid but it didn't feel good yeah um and also we didn't have a you know everyone wants to have great clients to talk about and success stories not oh we did this and actually an interview with one customer could have solved that problem a month uh, or 12 months before which would have killed our business as well though if we'd have (laughs) (laughs) well i think that's the thing though it's like that whole thing of this could have been an email it's like i see so many apps or things that launch and it's like you've just created a problem to solve the problem is if the problem isn't there, then your solution to the non-existent problem is still useless. Yeah. And so many times it's you would have found all that out by just having a conversation with the client and saying, hey, I'm thinking of doing this thing. Will you pay me 100 quid to give it a go? And if people mm-hmm. won't even give you 100 quid to give it a go, then it's definitely not going to work. It's not going to be a program. It's not, you know, it doesn't matter about scalability. It doesn't matter about the thousandth customer. If you can't no. get a hundred quid or even a tenner of someone to try it out, 
then it's definitely not going to work. And what is that? It's a phone call. It's easy to, to just get on the phone or have a Zoom call with someone and say, hey, do you mind if I just pitch you this idea? You know, it, that only takes a couple of minutes to, to do, but that could save you, as Carlos said, you know, 30K down the pan. I mean, oh. we turn away a lot of clients in our agency because their business models are terrible. You know, mm. we had one guy come to us and he had 15K of investment to start up a thing. I'm not going to say because it'd be easy to work out who he is, but he started a thing. And we were like, look, to be honest, this is a Facebook group. This isn't a business. No. Like we could take your 15K and we could build you a private Facebook group or we could set you up a mighty networks or something. But in reality, I would just no. do this as a Facebook group. If you can get hundred people to join it, then spend 15 K developing it. Anyway, he got annoyed and went to another agency who took his 15 K. They built him a thing. He came, I bumped into him a couple of, well, about a year or so ago in town. And he's like, do you know what? I pissed that 15 grand up the wall. I should have just opened a Facebook group. Like you said, <laughs> it's like, He's like, I wish I'd listened to you because now I'm doing something else. I've, I've actually so many of those stories. It's just heart it. heartbreaking because you're like, ah, we we thought we were doing really mm. good by not taking your money, but yeah. No, if you want to spend it, they'll spend it somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And in some ways, I mean, you guys talk about ethics <clears> a lot. I think that's probably one of the reasons we ended up shutting the agency was our view on what people needed and what they actually thought they wanted or needed was completely different. And so we ended up talking ourselves out of loads of projects because like for that exact same reason is like, actually you don't need for us to build you an app. You need, you shouldn't build an app at all, you know, and in fact you'll waste 50 grand, you know, and it'll be the wrong thing, um, which isn't great if you're trying to build an agency and you've got bills to pay and, you know, mouths to feed. Um, yeah. And so we, me and Carlos, I think found our role more as mentors and almost connectors rather than, you know, give us a brief, we'll build it. Um, yeah. For that reason, A, we'd lost interest in sort of just doing that for the money, but also B, you know, it's much more fun going, actually go, go to these guys or go and talk to someone else and they can hopefully give you a view on what happens if you do that, you know, five years down the line and where does that end up? Mm. Um, and that feels a lot more rewarding than just, yeah, we'll just build whatever you want, even if it's the wrong thing. And I think that comes back to the joy, doesn't it? Because if you're if you're running a web agency or you're, you know, building a website or you're marketing yourself or whatever it is you do in your business, coaching or, you know, instructing, training, whatever that might be, as long as you're doing it from a point of joy, then it becomes very difficult to to try and sell unethically or to push something on someone they don't want because it mm. just doesn't make you feel good. No. So it doesn't necessarily have to be joy all the time as the emotion that you're aiming for. Um, I see in the chat there's been a bit of sort of talk around that. And ultimately, it's I don't think I think joy is like, you know, that's the that's the bit that you get every now and then. And it's amazing. But it doesn't have to be joy continually. But if the aim is, well, do you know what? When I sell something to this person, we do business together and the relationship feels good. That makes me feel good. I'm going to have a little twinkle of joy when that email comes in saying, yeah, Simon, we'd love to work with you. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Ding. I get a joy. It's like having a cup of coffee. It doesn't last forever. <laughs> but those golden 10 minutes when you are cruising through coffee, like, coffee world, it's like, yeah, I'm on everything. But if that lasted forever, <laughs> I mean, imagine the amount of coffee you'd have to drink for a start. But it, I think it's that same thing. It's just the little peaks of joy every now and then are what make it all worthwhile. And I think if you, drift too far away from that purpose or from that vision then the joy is what comes out of it the joy is i think that that's the whole 
where marketing doesn't feel good. It's like, no. because you're selling something that no one wants to sell. Like, you're selling something that no one really wants to buy. So it's a really awkward conversation, isn't it, really? Because yeah. it's, it's not really, it's, that doesn't feel very good, does it? No. And again, I'm sure you guys talk about this. You know, the best marketing is is a great product, really. I mean, it, it should market itself if it's... Mm. Um, People talk about it; they'll they'll share that experience. And so, I read something yesterday. I can't remember the line, but it was a copywriter basically saying even the best copywriter in the world couldn't sell a shit product. You know, you know. Yeah. Ultimately, no amount of words would would yeah. make something bad, you know, good. Um, so it's always a good reminder. I think that actually, a you know, the referral thing kicks in, but also b if we really believe in this thing, we'll talk about it in a way that is much more authentic. I think and, and true. Mm. Um, I love the idea of any, well, with all of our guests, I'd like for them to suggest an alternative word to marketing. Um, because for me, I, I loved what Eric said earlier in the chat about the, I can't quite remember what it was, and now there's so much chat, which is amazing that I'm not even going to start trying to scroll back to it, but it was something about curiosity. And sort of just curiosity, Eric, if you can cut and paste it back in, copy and paste it, that'd be great. It was... Um, like does curiosity allow you to see joy or something but um you know i i don't like the idea of trying to build something before you ship it how might your curiosity shine a spotlight on your joy um so curious curiosity shines a spotlight on my joy in that um it's the curiosity with which i'm finding myself approaching um, the experience that our community members are having um, that then sparks joy for me and helps us build not only the we have a we have a thing we have a, a product in the form of a, um, a course that people are on and taking um, and we're we're trying to build a kind of more um, group structured uh, sort of um, immersive version of it where people will do the course at the same time and a lot of the group work that they will do will be the value truly really one of the most the biggest values of it and um, the feedback that we're getting from people which firstly we can turn into beautiful testimonials which is a gift to us that they're giving but also a gift that we can give back to them which is really joyous when we cheerlead that testimonial and say what you're saying is really important to us so much so that we'd like to share it and then the gift that we're serving to other people in in sharing the testimonial so it's all good marketing um sparks joy for me um but it's the curiosity as i say that that i really give a shit what people actually think about what we're doing and i don't think we could build it i don't think we could build any more without curiosity so um and it reminds me of kind of like going on and you talk about being in nature lawrence and this idea of kind of just discovery and the curiosity with which you approach going on a walk um, is joy. And to speak to this point of like, I don't know what's going to bring me joy. Some stuff brings me joy. Other stuff doesn't bring me joy, but that's fine. And like on a Monday, this might bring me joy. And on a Friday, it definitely doesn't bring me joy. And it's like, well, yeah, but if you're curious as to, you know, why it might bring you joy on a certain day or, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, but the curiosity bit, I really like. Um, someone else want to jump in? <laughs> God, I've gone off on one. <laughs> curiosity helps us hold our stories about joy. 
expectation, necessity, mm. frequency, lightly. Yeah, nice, Eric. Thank you. I think for me, it's there's something about the unknown, isn't there? Um, and so when I think of if I'm curious about something, I want to learn something new, or I want to, or there's something that's not quite fully formed yet, and so it's pulling me in. It's like, oh, what would that be like? You know, what? it's enticing. And so, um, particularly if it's like a new idea or project, if, if it's pushing me a bit, if it's making me sort of feel a bit scared, a little bit like, oh, something there, that for me is when my curiosity's peaked, it's because it feels like it's new and different. And I think like a lot of, uh, creative entrepreneur types I get bored quite quickly so if something's it's not always good if something's curious because it can just drag me away from what I should be doing what's important that day so there's always a balance but um yeah for new new things to keep that energy up I think always following your curiosity I think is something that I think you know something I try and I'm sure we all do try and instill in the younger generation really as well that just constant curiosity about the world not just the work we do is important um I've also remembered something that I think might have been a point in what I was trying to make before, which is that, you know, in working with the people that we work with, in asking questions of people, you are helping them, you're being the guide and not the hero. So your curiosity both serves you in terms of keeping it alive, as you say, Lawrence, but it's also mm -hmm. the, 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 the generous act of asking of someone else, what do you think? And sort of seeing what the, you know, you talk about collaboration and... Uh, you know, the whole being in a community thing is, is, is kind of how is the interaction with the other informing the joy for you? And also, you know, what, what are you showing people about what working with you looks like when you are collaborative and when you are asking questions of people and when you're being curious? You're saying, this is how I work. This is the, this is the energy that I, that, that I am going to continually serve to you if you work with me. Um, mm -hmm. So there's no product there. There's nothing there other than you saying, this is who I am. If you work with me, it feels like this. Um, yeah, and, and so it doesn't, there doesn't need to be a product. There doesn't need to be something that, it's just a continual, like I know that in working with you, we're not buying into something which is necessarily gonna be there tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So you can, be, you can be that creative entrepreneur that can need to have a new shiny thing tomorrow and that's okay. I still, I'm buying, I'm buying working with you when, mm -hmm. when we are members of the Happy Startup School. So you've, you've managed to create something which people understand clearly is what you are, which is the joy. And you're not tying yourself to any product necessarily. You and Carlos could say tomorrow, we're not doing Vision 2020 anymore. We're not doing Summer Camp anymore. Mm. Um, the way that you have created what you've created, we'd all be like, that's okay. <laughs> like, we yeah. totally understand why you wouldn't want it. That's fine. No problem. Whereas I think with a lot of services. Just Carlos doesn't know yet. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like a lot of people tying themselves to products are tying themselves to like, this is my thing. And so when, so you can't, you know, you're not like, but you're beholden to it. You're suddenly um, making a rod for your own back um, as opposed to saying, I'm about joy. And so if you work with me, that's, that's what it is. I don't know. Mm. I've, I've moved into, is joy your product? And I didn't mean to, but it seems to be. <laughs> you tell me, you, you came up with the idea. Um, guaranteed joy or your money back. How about that? I was going to say, I think, I think, I think that's what um, Carlos's episode was all about, wasn't it? 
happiness is your niche. So, I mean... Oh, there you go. Yeah, so if, if, if you want to find out whether joy slash happiness should be your product... See the previous see episode. see the previous episode with the other founder of the Happy Startups called Carlos. I wish we'll bung a link in shortly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the problem the, we have. People think, think they're... Say, Go on, well, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I think, again, seeing some of the chat as well about happiness and passion and joy. And again, these words are all quite loaded, aren't they? And they can mean different things to different people and they can trigger people. And I think we've all got this, well, it can it can e easily communicate this idea that it's all about the fun and it's always fun and everything we do is fun. The community is amazing. Everyone's happy all the time. Everyone comes to summer camp and they're like hugging in the field and it's just joy all around. It's just obviously not like that, is it? Um, and I think that's one thing to communicate is, you know, a lot of this stuff is so hard and so difficult and can be sort of um, draining and the sleepless nights and the worries at some point on our journey. Um, or you're not getting customers and you're not getting any sort of traction and no one's following or liking your posts and, and all of this stuff can be exhausting if you don't get the response you want. So for me, all of these things, whether you call it joy, happiness, um following your passion whatever people call it is you know if you do if you don't do that then how much harder would it be <laughs> so for me it's it's really just following that curiosity following that spark because mm. you know it just makes all of the more difficult things so much more bearable and not only that it brings you to people and surrounds you with people who sort of align with that sort of desire too and so you get to share it and share those highs and lows together rather than kind of go well i'm not feeling this i'm not getting excitement for it and i'm having to do invoicing and accounts and talk to some asshole on the phone who i don't want to talk to and i mm. and it's not i don't see the point of it you know yeah and also they don't i don't like these people <laughs> so why am i doing it yeah i think there's definitely a really really interesting because there there is that preconception that joy needs to mean happiness or joy needs to mean you know <clears throat> running around you know just having fun like like being on a bouncy castle all day but it's like that isn't really what it's about it's that thing of the one thing people forget when they start their own business is that you're trading one boss for another boss so you're getting rid of the boss you hate and or you're becoming <laughs> yeah and you're becoming the boss right so it's like well you may as well be a nice boss and it's like you know the i think you, you if if you don't enjoy running your own company then then that that's because you've made a company that you don't enjoy running and sometimes there are needs to do things that you don't like obviously that's just part of life you know everyone has to do you know the washing up or the cleaning at some point or whatever they don't like doing and that's just part of life and it's part of business too but it doesn't mean that you can't work to design a business that is full that brings you those moments of joy more often and i think a lot of people especially from the sort of older school of thought in terms of business and particularly in entrepreneur world it's like you have to suffer in order to build a business and you have to make other people suffer in order to build a business and make them work hours they don't want to work and you've got to hustle and all this bullshit and it's like it's just nonsense you don't have to do that to be a successful business because when you run your business you choose what success looks like and feels like to you and that was one thing that really sort of I think stood out for me in the vision 2020 that when we did it was that purpose exercise we did and it was like oh yeah this is this is what running a business is all about it's like does this actually serve me in any way you know i think it's what a lot of people forget to do when they start a business is think about themselves mm. and i think this is the, this topic of design with joy i think at the very heart of it for me is that 
if if you run your business, then it has to be serving you. And if it's not, then I would I, I think it's time to take a really good strong mm. look in the mirror and ask yourself, who are you doing this for and why are you doing it? Because, you know, yes, there's needs and everyone has to, you know, the bills to pay, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not undermining mm. any of that, but I'm saying that, you know, working towards a business that brings you joy, I think is the key for, for, for anybody running their own business. And whose expectation are you trying to meet? You know, if you're trying to make a million pounds of turnover next year, who's that for? Mm. Is it for your accountant? Because your accountant says you need to, or is it because you want to, you know, uh, or, or is it, you know, have you been told by entrepreneur land that you've got to get investment, you need VC funding and all this bullshit. Mm. It's like, you don't need it. Just go out there and get someone to buy it. And if you've got a hundred people who say they're going to buy it, then go to a VC and say, I've got a hundred people who are desperate to give me money for this. Will you give me some money? It's a very different conversation than mm. I want you to pay me a million pounds so I can get an office with a slide in it and a bull pit at the bottom. <laughs> and then we're <laughs> going to build this product and then people are going to buy it. It's like, come on. <laughs> anyway, that was my mini rant on entrepreneurs. Sorry. <laughs> I want to bring it to a close by kind of nodding to the quality of both of our communities. Uh, and there's a few people who are in both. So they're the, Centre of the Venn diagram, but you know, is there a, na is there a name for the the, the middle bit? Well, no, uh, the, pe the people who are members of both. Mm, no, you need no, I need to think about that. I'm sure there happier, is better, bolder, <laughs> joyful, <laughs> braver. Yeah, there really is a Daft Punk song somewhere. There is, yeah. Um, yeah, there is. So, but you know, I was thinking, bundle. Mm, yeah, mm. watch this space. Joyful um, collaboration coming soon. Yeah, always. Uh, so Simon uh, saved my life um, a couple of months ago when, uh, with his mental health uh, first aid training, he called out that we were not ready to launch the thing that we thought was going to make us 30 grand in Q1 of this year because it turned out I was going to burn out. But I didn't have the ability to see that. And we saved it. Well, Simon saved us probably a good couple of years of like iterating, failing, burning out, pivoting, coming back, licking our wounds, starting again. Um, and because we're in the spirit of um, be honest and everything's going to be okay and you're not for us and that's all right, we were able to talk to people openly, having sold a couple of places on our course to say, you know what, we're not going to do this. It doesn't, like, it's not going to work for us right now. It doesn't make us feel joy. Um, Mary, Mary Kondo. <laughs> um, and they were like, wicked, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And thanks so much for inspiring me to kind of do this thing based on your honesty. But, um, you know, if I didn't have Simon, if you didn't have Carlos and vice versa, I'm not sure how much, like, joyful accountability would be going on. And, you know, so much of the value of, um, is, you know, for me, a lot of this work is about self-awareness and holding a mirror up to yourself and saying, as Simon said, you know, like, who are you doing this for, really? And, like, what does this really say about your relationship with yourself and with other people? But unless you, and you can be super self-aware till the cows come home, but you're always going to miss a trick. So unless you've got people around you who are like, you know how you think you know yourself really well, Lawrence, and you know mm -hmm. how you think that you get what joy is because like that's what you're all about and whatever actually I've noticed this thing and I know you really well and I'm just mm. going to call this thing out and unless you've got people around you I think who bye Anya thank you lovely to see you uh yeah I I, I just I, I, I think we can't underestimate how other people can be so important in helping us to remind ourselves of what we find joyful mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. One final thing I was going to say oh, yes, go before we it. go, maybe, um, was just actually linked to what you're talking about, that the sort of work we get people to do on the program around purpose and needs and all that stuff. I think one of the biggest shifts I've seen in people is when they realize they get to choose who they work with. And you guys might find this too. And it's that thing of, oh, I can actually choose who I get to work with. Like that simple shift of, I want to work with these people. It will give me some sort of joy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm actually going to create. And that's the beauty of this is you get to go, I want to work with these people. And maybe together we can work out what the thing is versus here's a thing who wants to buy it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we've seen so many people, I certainly have mentoring startups in the past who end up with an audience they don't really connect with because that's who they've ended up with. And so if you almost flip it and just go, okay, who would I love to work? Who would I love to spend every day working with? hundred um, percent. We get, get really passionate about this because people say, why would I want a niche? I don't want to cut off my nose to spite my face and limit my audience. And it's like, well, first of all, then you're going to definitely burn out because you're going to speak to, try and speak to everybody all at the same time. But more to the point, unless you are clear about who is going to serve you back the energy that's going to help you keep your business sustainable and only speak to them or like politely decline a conversation with people that you're very clear are not going to serve you back, it doesn't make any sense. Niching is for you and it's just for now and you can change at any time. But it's not just so that you can be really focused on your marketing and sell more shit to people. It's about surrounding yourself with the people that are going to energise you, as you say. So, anyway. Years ago, I came across this website and there was a, we were looking at web designers and this guy made websites for Tory MPs. And that was it. He was, that was his niche, like Tory MPs. Wow. And there was obviously like a few hundred of them. So like, and, and if you're a Tory MP, who are you going to go to to get your website designed? Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Maybe his joy was like spending every day with Tory MPs. Probably be my worst nightmare, but you know. I was going to say, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm quite happy he's out there doing it so no one else has to. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, someone's got to be the But think of the gossip, right? though, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, someone's got to be the martyr, but I mean. There is no judgment on this show, just saying. No. No politics allowed. <laughs> exactly. Um, so before we rapidly move on to the second hour of. Carlos is reading off like, domains and random clients for the years. Sorry, just like, <laughs> oh, distracting man. me. Yeah. Maybe we should do a um, like a bitching podcast where we just bitch anonymously about fantastic projects that we've worked on. And just <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's a whole different podcast. Um, if you want to see it, send some love in the chat, and maybe we'll get together and do that. Um, if you want to connect with the wonderful writing and words of Lawrence, then I've uh, taken the liberty of sharing the LinkedIn and the Medium links in the chat. Um, Lawrence was one of those people who got in um, to Medium and started writing on it like ages ago and has an absolutely incredible following. So do do become part of that. I mean, it was- Sorry, I meant like World War II, not- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, yeah. So do do um, check Lawrence out in those places. Um, is there anything else uh, where people, is there anywhere else people can connect with you or learn more about what you're up to, Lawrence? Uh, LinkedIn's good. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah, I don't write on Medium as much as I used to. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn, connect with me or uh, thehappystartupschool.com if anyone wants to check out what we do. But yeah, most people here are, are people we know, but there might be others out there who listen to us yeah. afterwards who aren't. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Lawrence. Um, it feels Thanks like for having we me. Could, 
definitely have carried on for much, much more different rabbit hole conversation. I'm sure we'll be back at another time to have another conversation. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening and watching, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the great chat as well. Awesome.